Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 108 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. I'm afraid we've just endured a late night shellacking from our mortal enemies, the Pittsburgh Steelers, last night. And all that kind of momentum before the bye week and the win against the Titans is suddenly... In the rearview mirror, and we, we're back down to earth with an almighty bang, aren't we, Nathan Palmer? We are indeed, my son. Yeah, I think, you know, with the last couple of weeks, including the bye, I think we were on a bit of a, an upward curve. And that was very much a, a rather cold slap around the face last night, as it often is against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. What is it? This is the thing, isn't it? If it would happen against the Texans or the... I don't know, even the Patriots or someone like that, you know, you could take it, right? You could take it like a grown-up person, get a good, you know, you could take that smack in the mouth. But when it comes to the Steelers, it stings even more, doesn't it? Oh, it hurts, Nathan, it hurts. <laughs> oh, it, it was just it was such a long game last night, wasn't it? It was, it was like drawn-out <laughs> pain as well, wasn't it? It was like a... It's like a boxing match where you just like, oh, come on, like, you know, how much more of this can I take? It was just, I couldn't, it went on to nearly one in the morning, didn't it, UK time? It was just a... <laughs> Why did it last so long, that game? I just, it just yeah, seemed to go on for ages. Yeah, I think there's a lot, I think the wind had a lot of parts in it, didn't it? I think it was, I think it was difficult, certainly for the Bengals to, uh, to throw the ball and even the Steelers to begin with had a bit of trouble with it. And there was just a, a lot of to in and fro. And I think Kevin Huber punted something ridiculous. I mean, bear in mind Kevin Huber, the, the two weeks before in the bye, I think he must have punted maybe once in the whole two games um, that we've just played before that. I think last night he certainly made up for that and punted about eight times if I remember rightly. So it was a real sort of transformation from that high-powered offense we saw um, before the bye. So a complete 180. N- nine punts I'm seeing here. I'm looking at the stats. Nine punts for Kev yesterday. So nine he punts. Might need to, he might need to ice his leg the geezer today, I think. <laughs> I tell you what, that first quarter was a nightmare because they just kind of kept swapping possessions, three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. And he was just like, hold on a minute, this first quarter seemed to have lasted for about 45 minutes. It was bizarre. Yeah, I, I think it, you never get on. Because the thing is, the Bengals came out, they pinned the Steelers deep, they got the ball back, and you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, this is a bit naughty, isn't it? And then Ericsson fumbles <laughs> it, and it's just like, oh, God, here we here go. We go. Yeah. Here we go. That's the thing. I think I made the... Uh, my name is Paul Hirons, by the way. You're very welcome. Good evening. Hello. Good morning, wherever you're listening uh, from and in which time zone. Um yeah, I mean, I think I made the point on Twitter last night. You don't take, you know, when you go into a gunfight, you don't take a parsnip because, um, <laughs> because is that your, is that, that, that's your quote. Is it, that's my that's my quote. No one else's. Quite proud of it, actually. I mean, it could be any root vegetable, to be honest with you. But you don't go into a gunfight with a root vegetable. But I just happened, mind you, butternut squash. That you could weaponize a butternut squash quite. It's like a, a club. Squash, isn't it? It's like you a club. It over someone's nut. Oh, but a parsnip, you're not causing any damage whatsoever. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, the point was, if you go into a game against a team like the Steelers, and especially this year, 
when they're 8-0, um, you know, they've been efficient and obviously their defence is terrific and all the rest of it. But, you know, their offences can be stopped, can't it? That's, that's, the Cowboys showed that last week. Uh, and you kind of think, we're playing well. We we marched up and down the field against some really good defenses. We you know this could be this could be on the upset might be on, but then you've got to go into these uh, games and I'm sure they kind of did they must do with the absolute attitude almost like a Chad Johnson thing is like right we are going to win this game there's no ifs or buts we are going to take it to and we're going to get aggressive we're going to go toe to toe with them and. Uh, there's no messing around now. It's time to up the intensity. It's time to up the aggression. It's time to really sock them in the mouth. And yes, come on, Alex Erickson pinned the you know the defense, you know, made them go. It wasn't quite a three and out, I don't think, but they stopped them. And uh, Alex Erickson says, "Yeah, I'll have a bit of this." Caught the punt and he fumbled it. And it's just like, oh no, not no, no, no. That's not the start that you want. That that is taking a parsnip to a gunfight I think and then Brandon Wilson had trouble fielding that kickoff return in the end zone I thought that was a safety you know when I it was happening live yeah. I was like what's the geezer doing here like I, I'm surprised I know it's always I think you know in those situations they often just do them as a touchback but I thought he sort of took the ball out of the end zone or touched it a bit out of the end zone then went back in and then sort of I was like, what are you doing, Brandon, son? Like, you know I mean, but we got a bit lucky there. We did, and then there were mistakes. There was some holding calls and some false starts, and Burrow looked a little bit off, and then T. Higgins fumbled, and suddenly you were like, but the defence was holding. The defence was holding, and I think we were like 12 nil down, and then we marched down the field, and it's kind of like, finally, this offence has clicked, and played like it had been before the bye week and you 12-7 you're kind of like okay we're in this game you know we're in this game if they can just keep that offensive fluidity going and they couldn't they couldn't at all could they it was a real struggle for the offense last night yeah I think if you're going to beat a good team like the Steelers in this case that are 8-0 and you're going on the road to play them you have to have as close to a perfect not perfect game but a complete game you have to play well throughout you have to take your opportunities and you have to create chances and I think the Bengals couldn't do that last night they beat themselves in the first quarter with those two fumbles and throughout the game apart from that um, ball where T Higgins was wide open and Burrow hit him for about 50 odd there just wasn't much to speak of I mean Burrow 21 of 40 you're not going to win many games with that I think we were one of the I mean quite remarkably last night we were 0 and 13 0 and 13 on third down and I think if you're not going to convert any third downs out of the 13 you get, you're not going to win any games. So, and you, you know, there's the propensity, as there is after any loss, and especially to the Steelers, as you mentioned before, where you're annoyed, you're angry, you're pissed off, and it hurts more than usual. It's a divisional game. You really feel like the Bengals were sort of marching forward momentum-wise, and it feels like a step back. It's our game. We had a lot of injuries last night. They're a very good team, probably the best defense in the NFL, certainly top five. It's not the end of the world. It wasn't a good performance. You would have wanted it to be closer than that. You'd take a 10-point loss, a 7-point loss. I think to lose by 26 and, you know, really that field goal at the end there was a bit of change. But I'm not overreacting just yet. I wasn't pleased with it, but 
I don't think there's any reason to panic by any means. You know, there's a lot of people, especially with the coronavirus, ripping through the squad and a lot of coaches missing the game, a few players, a lot of injuries around there. Gino Atkins with some family um, concerns missing the game. Um, and obviously our thoughts go out to him and his family. But yeah, I'm not panicking, son. I don't know about you. No, I'm not. And to be honest with you, it was what I expected to happen. When I saw who was lining up, with all due respect to Tony Brown and Jalen Davis, who are, you know, <laughs> poor old Jalen. No one's ever heard of Jalen Davis. and The Jalen Davis. The Jalen Davis. is a big moment for him, you know, first yeah, NFL star. Fair play to the, to the geese. But um, when you saw the secondary and you saw what was going on in the offensive line, and then when you saw, you know, the, uh, as you mentioned, the way COVID had sort of ripped through the coaching staff. I mean, we've been relatively unscathed with this pandemic when i say we the the bengals and um but suddenly it's all come at once as per usual and it can't have been easy to prepare for that game with coaches i think actually going to up to pittsburgh and then finding out test results or certainly being told to isolate because they'd come into close contact with with various uh positive uh results um, from COVID, uh, by all accounts, they were having to drive back in their own cars or like a like a hire car back to Cincinnati on the way on the day of the game. That can't be good for preparation. And then when you throw in the weather as well, there was obvious problems with the with the wind. It was you know affected both teams, you know, and you could perhaps see that in hindsight in that first quarter. Um, but Pittsburgh did what good teams do they picked on our weaknesses and our weaknesses yep. are more glaring than usual these days you know there's yep. no Darius Phillips there was no obviously no Trey Waynes out there uh Mackenzie Alexander got taken off with concussion of all you know if there was a position group that you didn't want another injury in it was it was the cornerbacks um and and you know I think frankly I think Pittsburgh and it pains me to say, but they had out coaches again. You, you saw what the Bengals were doing in the early, you know, in the past few weeks, where they were just kind of using the passing game as an extension of the run game. You know, those little kind of intermediate passes, those little screens, and all the rest of it to move the ball. They took that away. They they dropped more people into coverage. They didn't rush as much. It was just a, a good coaching job by. By the Steelers. Now you could argue back. It's like, well, where's our plan B? Where is our plan B? Maybe we should have kept the run game going a little bit more. Uh, but Borrow looked a little bit confused last night. And I, just one example that stuck in my mind. I think it was the first half where um, he had to call a timeout. He audibled at the line of scrimmage. Great. This is what you want from certainly a rookie quarterback showing amazing pre-snap. Uh, reads and uh, kind of the development to get to that point where he ca where he can do that at the line of scrimmage. He saw the defense, he audibled, and then the Steelers shifted into a different formation, and that confused him. And I th he called a timeout uh, then, and that really stuck with me because I think Pittsburgh must have been doing that pretty much all night. Uh, they've got some really good savvy veterans on that, certainly on that defensive line. Yeah. Um and you know they they took they took that underneath game away, you know, and uh what can you do? I mean, you're supposed to react to the adjustments, but we just couldn't do it last night. And you know, some of Borrow's balls, I have to say, 
uh, were floated a little bit. They didn't have that zip on them. They were a little bit inaccurate. He missed a few throws. So I think you can just put that down uh, as a learning experience uh, for Joe Boy last night. And um, as he said it, it admirably in the press conference, it's like, you know, I won't suck very often. And I don't think he will this year. But, you know, as you say, he came up against, you know, arguably the league's best defence. So uh, a learning experience for him. Yeah, absolutely. And talking of coaching, one of the stats that pains me to read out, Mike Tomlin is 23-5 and against the Bengals after last night. And the Bengals are unfortunate in that they play in a division where you've had Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh, two of the best coaches in the last 20 years in the NFL. Both of them have won Super Bowls. They're just difficult to play against. They're two. They're four hard games every single year. When a quarter of your season is against those two, they're going to come up with some great schemes. They're going to coach you hard, and it's a testament to Marvin Lewis that we won some AFC Norths when they were in the coaching in the division that we were able to sort of outdo them. But it's hard, and you know, for Zach Taylor, a young coach playing against Mike Tomlin and playing against John Harbaugh, who have been around for a long time, they've seen it all before. You know, they've seen a lot of rookie quarterbacks in their time. They know how to scheme for them. They've got some fantastic players either side of the ball. It's always going to be hard. And I think the one criticism um, that you could label at the Bengals over the last two years of Zach Taylor is they've not played well against the Steelers or the Ravens. They've just not had a chance really against any of them. It's been fairly comprehensive whenever we've gone to play either one of the division rivals. And I think that's something that we're going to have to learn from and you hope that we get better. Um, you know, we've got a chance against both of those guys, I believe, at home um, at the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see what lessons the coaching staff learn, if they can pick out any weaknesses and see how we perform against them um, when the, we get a second chance. But I think all Bengals fans want to beat the Steelers and <laughs> I really hope we can sort something out for round two. Yeah, I mean, if they're not steaming and absolutely looking forward to playing them again you know there's no hope for them really because I'd, I'd be coming out of that game it's like right they knacked us Baltimore absolutely knacked us Baltimore are not playing that well at the moment and uh, the Steelers kind of are they're probably I think they're playing Jacksonville next week so they'd probably be 10-0 and 0. Um, but I'd be like oh, I can't wait to play them again because I know what they're all about now and I mean Zach was very honest and put the blame on himself Last night, and do I think he coached a good game? I thought thought he was all right, but again, I perhaps would have kept the the running game going because we were getting some nice, making some nice inroads on the ground last night with P Ryan played well. Great to see Travion Williams get his first carries, albeit right at the end of the game. Um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know, it's it is again a learning experience but you know there's not a lot of patience out there at the moment and uh losing to the steelers kind of amplifies any kind of anger and frustration i think doesn't it yeah absolutely no one likes losing especially to the steelers and i think we were on a real up up curve as well you know i think people were very frustrated a few games before that and it really felt like we weren't making much progress and i think that game against the colts where we <laughs> Um, you know, dumped 21 on them fairly early on the road was impressive and fantastic win against the Titans. And I think people were starting to think, God, this offense is really moving along. Uh, maybe they're finding their identity. They're making a lot of progress. And it was a big step back last night, obviously against the Steelers. There's some bad calls in there. I mean, so, you know, I, we probably as Bengals fans are looking for this a bit more. I, I hate to be that person that always blames the ref. It's just not, it's just not a great look. But that call on the fumble last night for the Steelers was shocking. 
you know, when they blew it dead yeah, on that fumble, yeah. you know, I don't think it would have made a difference to the outcome of the game, but crazy that that was blown dead so quickly. The guy was just going to the ground, you know, it was just a yeah. complete legitimate normal return that was fumbled and the Bengals don't get many of those calls we we haven't really forced many fumbles this year and you know flipping the field like that that's what can win you games you know the opportunities last night like you know Jesse Bates oh man he he won that one back I mean that's the easiest pick six you'll probably see in a while for him um the positive is that he's getting himself in, the, uh, himself in those positions he seems to be around the ball a lot which is a great sign of a good safety so yeah. It's just hard out. I tell you what's just mad, really. You look at the AFC North, the Steelers are 9-0, and the Ravens are 6-3, and the Browns are 6-3. and I mean, that is a tough division. You know, we like, I love, the Bengals fans love to have a bit of a laugh at the Browns. They're going to probably win 9 or 10 games this year, the way they're going at the moment, you know. It's a hard division, and you can sit there and say, well, you know, Big Ben's not getting any younger, but that's a good division. There's a lot of good teams and players in that division, and I've actually been very surprised because I – thought Big Ben, I mean, the geezer just seems like he goes and goes. I remember me and you started this podcast a couple of years ago, and we were sort of like, oh, he's nearly done. He's nearly done. <laughs> and he just he just keeps going, the geezer. He keeps taking, he looks injured, and he's out for it. You know, he misses a quarter, and then he's back. And he's just a false, isn't he? He's hard to bring down. I don't think we got a sack on him last night, which pains me. Yeah. Um, it's a hard division, you know. We're going to to get to the top of that division is going to be a big achievement and it's going to be a big task and asking for the next couple of years. He loves an injury, though, old Ben, doesn't he? He loves it. Yeah, he does. He, does. he loves it. Um, I have to say, and I dislike the guy quite a lot, I thought he was brilliant last night, Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the best, time, I think it's some of the best football I've seen him play, unfortunately. Especially in those conditions as well. It's windy. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best yet. Yet to really throw the ball. I mean, he he did exactly what you said earlier. He just basically took one look at the Bengals secondary, identified the weakness. I had a look at Tony Brown and was just like, I'm just going to throw at him. You know, every single play, he just got a nice match up. They didn't bother running the ball to Steelers. They really. I mean, Connor ran it 13 times. I think for about 30 odd yards, but. They didn't really get much success out of that. Roethlisberger's not a threat running it. The geezer probably is no quicker than me or you. And they just said, <laughs> we're just going to throw the ball. I mean, Roethlisberger threw it 46 times last night. No picks. He was brilliant. And again, you hate saying it, but it was a well-coached game. They exploited a weakness and they capitalised on it. And, you know, fair play to them. Two things I'll say. One is that early doors, I noticed that the Steelers were running a lot of concepts offensively that we were doing in the you know the past couple of weeks. Lots of cheeky little end arounds and sweeps and and kind of intermediate passes. And Roethlisberger was being super accurate. You know, dropping the ball into bread baskets all over the shop. Um, so that was interesting. And secondly, I think I think credit has to go to our run defence. It's much maligned, but I have to say I thought they were terrific last night. Covington and uh, Williams and Mike Daniels and Khalid Kareem had a good game last night. I thought Jermaine Pratt was noticeable. He had a good game last night in the run game. Uh, obviously got Sam Hubbard back. Lawson, he's really our only pass rush. That is the problem. That is the real problem. We don't have... Yeah, a pass rush, and it would make such a difference if we did. Uh, but I, I will, you know, take my hat off to the 
the run defense last night because we bottled it up and, and, and plugged those gaps, good gap discipline, all the rest of it. We, we looked good. And Von Bell, certainly in the box, was terrific. Uh, and stopping, you know, upon when he comes up into the box and attacks the line and plugs those gaps, he's really good. Not so great in coverage, I have to say. But there we go. That's another uh, conversation. Um, so, again, it was it was awful. We were well beaten, soundly beaten in every phase. I mean, it's not often that you say the special teams unit has a nightmare, but they did last night because they've been so good and so consistent for so long. Uh, but we were beaten in every phase last night, and sometimes you've got to say, right, okay, fair enough, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the upcoming games that will be the real test for me. Are we the best of the rest? Do you know what I mean? Are we... Yep. Are we, you know, I, I, I think Carolina is a fun team to watch and they've got a similar record to us. Uh, uh, the the Chargers are fun to watch and they've got a similar record to us as well. But if we can beat the, the, the football team and the Giants and the Cowboys, suddenly we are 5-6-1. and one. If we can pull out a, a win against Miami... You know, I know that's unlikely at the moment because the Dolphins are playing really well. But, you know, at the start of the season, you had that game as perhaps a win for us. Um, so you I, reckon we could win it all, son? No, no. <laughs> no, not at all. But what I'm saying is those are the teams I think that we that we have to kind of not measure ourselves against because you always aspire to be much better than that. And plainly, we're not on the same level as the Steelers and the Ravens at the moment. Although I, th- I think we would give the Ravens a much better game at this moment in time. Um, I just think you do, you will start to worry if we can't beat Washington and the Giants, and you know, throwing Dallas in there, and you know, Houston, Houston as well, maybe later on down down the line. So I still think there's still, you know, another four wins in there if we play like we were. Before the bye week. And it's weird, isn't it? We came out of the bye week exactly like a Marvin team. A little bit flat. A little bit error-strewn, you know. And because we always used to do that with Marvin. It's like, oh, great, a bye week. We can, like, oh, relax. Okay, now we can prepare properly and blah, blah, blah. And they always came out so flat, Marvin's teams, after a bye week. And you kind of thought with Zach, it's like, well, this could be different. But, again, they came out a bit flat, really, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's another thing that was disappointing um, is, as you said, with the Marvin teams, that was always a criticism is, you know, you got an extra week to prepare. you got an extra week for players to get healthy, players to get up to scratch and <clears throat> really study that team. And it really looked like the absolute opposite. And I think that's always disappointing in terms of the last seven games. They're absolutely critical for Zach Taylor. I mean, it's a pretty interesting run you got as you said four very winnable games against Washington New York Miami and Dallas difficult game against the Steelers I mean they're still going to be playing for something or other you'd expect um three games before the end I think the Ravens the way they're going at the moment will certainly be fighting with the Browns or some you know teams like the Bills potentially or whoever else maybe the Patriot I don't know whoever's in the running for the wild card there um and for seedings and stuff and the Texans are always a difficult team for us to play. So you just get the feeling for Zach Taylor. He's won two games now. He's got to get to five or more for me. I think if he wins any less than five, he's going to be in really hot water with the fan base and probably with the ownership. I think he has to win three games out of this seven, at least for him to have a decent chance of saying, look, give me one more year here. I'm building something. And I think we need to look good doing it because 
Interestingly, I mean, you look at the bookmakers' odds with with a slight underdog away at Washington next yeah. week, and yeah. I would, you know, to me, and again, this is probably the downs of being a fan. I think we should take the, like, you know, we should beat the football team next week. I mean, you look at them with Alex Smith, and I know they're not. I mean, they lost to the Giants the other week, who we've got, who we've got in the next game. But as you said, that those games we've got to be winning. You back us to win them, and I think it's going to be a really good measuring stick as to where we are because we've been up and down this year. We felt like we were making progress. We've taken a step back. If we can go in there, I think as well for Bengals fans, not only just claw a win out, but absolutely hammer one of them and really show that we've got this together. I think that would go a long way to sort of getting Zach Taylor some confidence with the fans and asserting himself as the coach, maybe win a game on the road. I know we've not done that yet. Uh, just sort of ticking some of those boxes to show the momentum. The Titans was a big step towards that, but it's we've got to keep it up, you know. And none of these games in the NFL are easy. They're going to be tough games, especially the ones on the road. Um, a lot of people playing for their jobs and stuff like that. So they're not, by no means going to be a gimme. So I'm... Very, very interested to see what we've got because it's going to. I would say the football team and the Giants, especially, are right where we are at the moment, and probably Dallas, depending on their injury situation. So it's going to be fascinating to see how we match up against them. I agree. I, agree. Um, I mean, Washington have uh, a good pass rush. Alex Smith has, you know, they've got some weapons on offense. You know, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. J.D. McKissick has kind of appeared from nowhere, and Alex Smith has just recorded his back-to-back 300-yard-plus uh, game. So I don't think I think it's going to be a close game next week. I do, uh, but we'll see. Right, we're going to in- we do have a special guest. I forgot to mention in all this excitement uh, that we do have a special guest, and it is uh, one of I think the fans' favourite players on the Bengals team. It's uh, C.J. Uzama. So C.J. will be coming up momentarily but first uh we're going to play it's not really a game but a new little feature it's called unicorns and rainbows and um i've got this idea because uh someone had a go at paul dana jr today because uh him and jay morrison kind of really ripped in on the bengals on their hear that podcast growling (laughs) episode and someone said, oh, come on, man, stop dumping on the Bengals, you know. Uh, and Paul said, well, what do you want? Unicorns and rainbows. So if they're not going to give uh, listeners unicorns and rainbows, we are. Rainbow. Up above the streets and houses, rainbow climbing high. Everyone can see it smiling rainbow. over the sky. Well, there we go. Um, Unicorns and rainbows. Um, So basically, Nathan, lots of negatives from last night. I want you to come up with one positive that really struck you last night. Ooh. Um... <laughs> right, hang on. Let me have a thing. Um, for me, it's T. Higgins continuing to just play a really, really high standard. He's involved every single week, and he's asserted ourselves really as our number one receiver, certainly in terms of being a deep threat. And 
most rookie wide receivers do not have this impact. There is a laundry list of wide receivers in their first year that are drafted in the first round that do not play well. and It takes them a while to adjust. We've got one on our roster that we know all too well hasn't worked out. And for a guy drafted number 33 overall, he's just been an absolute focal point of this offense. He has connected beautifully with Joe Burrow. And week after week, no matter who we play, even the Steelers, I know he had a fumble yesterday, and he, he will learn from that. But he's just every single week a factor. And he makes some spectacular catches. He's in the right place at the right time. He's running good routes. I've been just thoroughly impressed with him. Thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. And with Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick, with all the hype that come out with that, it doesn't take a genius to draft him number one overall. We, You've had a fairly good idea of what we were getting there with the first overall pick. 33, 32 teams passed on um, T. Higgins, first of all. You know, there's a lot of receivers went off the ball before him. And to get the value we've got from him week after week, and especially yesterday, 115 yards and a touchdown again, um, He's having just a fantastic year. Yeah, I kind of disagree with that. I thought it was terrific. Uh, over 100 yards last night. I think over 100 yards in the first half, by the end of the first half. So terrific stuff from T. And he's scoring touchdowns as well, which is great. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Akeem Adenergy. I thought he was terrific last night. The PFF grades, again, don't perhaps reflect that. But from the naked eye, just watching the game... I thought he was great. And you can throw in Quinton Spain as well, being asked to play tackle. He's never played tackle before. They had a really good game. They had a really Willie, good Willie game. Willie Anderson singled him out as having a cracking game as well. That's right. I saw that. And, yeah. you know, Big Willie kind of said that, oh, my God, you know, he's putting on a clinic. He used the word clinic. He used the C word, Nathan. <laughs> uh, a clinic. And um, I think he said that Bud Dupree... Uh, kind of tried a spin move and Hakeem was just whatever mate you just try yeah whatever you know try it see what happens and he did and nothing happened yeah absolutely and that's that's exactly what you want to be trying to get out of your drafts Hakeem Adenergy a late round pick in the draft if you can get some value out of those guys and uh, that's what you need from the draft is to hit on those late round picks get some value and He's been highly regarded by the sort of Twitter, um, the Twitter sort of draft experts. I think um, Paul Alexander has mentioned him as being a good player. Obviously, you've got Willie Anderson chiming in on him. Um, so there's high hopes for him. Obviously, he did well at the senior bowl, I believe, at Energy. So I'd like to see him get some more playing time. We've got a few young players on that line. And I know it's a bit like musical chairs at the moment, but there are some good young players there that have got potential. Um, so if we could just get a consistent line get them some playing time, get it, get them some chemistry together. I am excited at the potential there. It's just at the moment, it's a bit mad week to week. People swapping positions, different people coming in and out of the lineup, different people getting traded, different people getting picked up in free agency off the street. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an upmarket charity shop at the moment, the offensive line, but there is definitely potential here. There are a lot of youth. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with your selection on Hakeem. Yeah, I think uh, I think we might have a very small sample size, uh, but I think we might have a player there, uh, which is great, which is a, r- a real Brucey bonus, isn't it, really? Uh, if we can get Jonah back on that left-hand side and maybe push out... Hakeem to the right-hand side. Then you add in Quinton Spain, perhaps at right guard or even left guard. I'm still not convinced by Michael Jordan. Sorry, Mike, but I'm not. Uh, and then you get Xavier Suofilo back, who's bound to be an upgrade on on uh, Alex Redmond, who's you know pretty okay in the, in the run game. But um, 
Again, crucial, crucial penalty last night when we were moving the ball. Uh, but anyway, uh, what other? We're going to have one positive from football and then one positive from life. So, have you got anything from life that you particularly happy with at the moment? Um, I'm going to assert my. I've said this before on the podcast, but it was a long time ago, so I'm going to re-say it because yeah, I uh, <laughs> had an experience with it the other night. Honey on pizza. <laughs> okay, it's banging, mate. Like Papa John's are doing this weird thing called the bee sting pizza at the moment. It's this weird like rocchetto chili pizza base with a bit of honey drizzle on it. Now they've got it all wrong because you, you need the pizza base. You need that tomato pizza base. But the honey on it is a lovely, sweet, sticky sort of nice topping. It goes well with the cheese. It goes well with the tomato. If you drizzle a bit of honey on one of your pizzas, mate, I'm telling you, you love it. It's such a lovely little thing, honey. It's so good for you. You know, all this coronavirus knocking about, you get a nice bit of honey down your neck every day. It's going to give you a nice bit of protection, boost that immune system up. I'm, I'm telling you, if you haven't tried honey on your pizza before, give it a crack. You're a dirty man. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to go for a food stuff. I, uh, for tea tonight, I've had toad in the hole, um, <laughs> which I think for our American listeners Proper is, classic is called British dish, that, a isn't it? popover. But we put like sausages in it. They're the toads. And the Yorkshire pudding is the whole. And I've not had it for ages, and it was it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That's it. Yeah, That's all I've got. It's brilliant. Yeah. I do. I've not had Toad in years, son. You have to knock it out for me one day. Veggie sausages, mate. Winner. Absolute winner. Well, there we go. That's the end of Unicorns and Rainbows. We might bring that back uh, as and when it is needed. Could be needed more often than we, we hope it is. <laughs> throughout the rest of the season we'll see um should we bring cj in nathan let's do it man and as promised it's one of our favorite players on the bengals roster we met him in london he's very tall indeed i'm very small indeed and uh but what a what a treat it was to meet him and we managed to get him back on the podcast so cj uzama welcome back nice to see you mate no thank you for having me good to be on now then, first things first, before we get into some stuff, how are you? How's the rehab going? How's the injury? I understand you've just come from the stadium or you're in the stadium now. What's going on? Yeah, so I, uh, I just had, I just came from rehab um, and it's going well. Um, two months out today um, and they said I'm ahead of schedule, which is obviously good to hear. Um, but, you know, they're, they're Tell me to calm down with what I'm doing a little bit. Uh, it's you know, like it's not a, it's not a sprint with this one. So yeah, it's tough. It's uh, it's my first surgery that I've had in my career, um, and so it's it's a uh, it's something that's kind of new to me, um, not being out there with the guys and hanging out battling. But um, it's going as good as it can, I guess for sure. I mean, you're a social guy, right? You're you know we all know about your pranks and your little gang there <laughs> with Gio and Alex and. It must be killing you not to be part of that locking room right now. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Is is um, yeah, I, I was just, I listened to you all's podcast and um, someone was talking about the the red zone and how great it is to watch. You know, the red zone. You know, when you know I watched it during the during the bye week, not watching the you know not watching my guys play, but um, it is. It's tough to see them. You know, out there and like out there going to practice I, you know i'm watching film still and and watching kind of like the interactions and stuff and it's tough like i, I see a big play happen in practice and i'm thinking to myself like 
was going to go over there and give that guy a high five and, like, you know, mess with them, hang out with them. So, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to not, especially with, you know, someone like Gio, who I, I talk to a lot and text a lot and not being able to prank him as much as I, I want to and stuff like that is uh, it's definitely kind of tough. Now, speaking of Gio, you might have noticed my own lustrous moustache. Now, I grew it because if, in first lockdown because I'd never really grown a tash before, so I thought, I'm going to grow it because no one's going to see it, right? I'm in lockdown. And then what I didn't bargain on is all these Zoom chats. So I was actually more sociable than I ever was. And I was supposed to be hiding this thing, and I didn't get to hide it because loads of people saw it. Were you, what were your reactions to Gio's moustache? Were you fully behind it? Did you rib him about it? Did you kind of, what were your reactions? So the good thing, so <laughs> I, I'm, the good thing about Gio's um, stash right now is that I can't really see it when I'm around him because we have to wear masks in the <laughs> yeah. stadium at all times. So he, he, he said something today about, I mean, I've, I've, I'm letting this grow until the end of the year. Like I'm not going to do anything with this. Um, and he was giving me a hard time about it today. And, and I was like, what, Gio, take your mask, pull it down a little bit. Like you have, what is that on your lip, Mike? Like, what are you talking about? Um, so I think your, your mustache looks 10 times better than Gio's. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take that to be fair. I am. Oh, I mean, it, it, Gio's, it just, it, it's, ah, it's tough. It's tough to look at. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad he has a, I'm glad he has the mask on. I'm glad when the helmet's on, you can't really tell that it's just a, just a mustache. You might think, you know, maybe he has the full thing grown in. So, um, yeah, it's bad. His looks bad. So basically Christmas is just around the corner. And I would imagine that you're going to send him a nice big family pack of Gillette razors, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> that is actually, you know what? I'm going to do that and I'm going to tell you guys just, just for that. <laughs> okay. I want to talk to you about Joe Burrow because if you've listened to this podcast, which is quite surreal to me, if you have, uh, we, you must know and you must feel it around the city that the arrival of Joe Burrow has been a big deal and everyone's kind of excited and everyone's been loving Joe's play throughout the first half of this season. You caught Joe Burrow's first touchdown pass. How exciting. You're forever bonded with Joe Burrow, <laughs> uh, whether he likes it or not. Um, how did that make you feel? Tell us a little bit about Joe Burrow, because he's sort of, he's been kept a little bit away from the fact, well, obviously because of this crazy 2020 that we're having. Uh, what's he like in the huddle? Did he have that confidence and swagger as soon as he came into the club? And... Uh, just tell us what he's like in the locker room as well. Yeah, I think um, it was it was interesting to me. Um, you know, we have all these Zoom meetings, we have all this you know, this off season th these off season things that we were doing, and um, and the first sit down meeting that we had as an offense, we're going through certain plays and installing certain things, and um, I heard him talk more than. I think I'd heard someone else talking a meeting, one player talking an offensive meeting in my prior five years. I was like, wait, wow. what's going on? Like he's, he's saying, all right, I'm, on this play, you can run it like this against this defense. And he was just going pretty much every other play. I heard him say something and I was like, this is awesome. Like this guy is coming in just saying, Hey, like this is how you're going to run it. And I'm going to get you the ball if you run it this way. Um, so yeah, no, I think that the, the sort of assertiveness that he has, the, the confidence that he has, the kind of moxie that he brings to the team is, is 
I mean, I honestly wasn't expecting it. I'd, I'd never been around the first overall pick before. You know, I've been around a great quarterback, great players before, but the kind of the presence that I felt early from him was something I was, wasn't really expecting. Um, and it was kind of a breath, breath of fresh air. Uh, and then, yeah, catching his first touchdown, uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know, I had caught Andy's last touchdown which was also something that, you know, I didn't really realize until a week afterwards and someone told me about it. Um, and then obviously right when I caught Joe's first touchdown, I was like, dang, this is, <laughs> this, is, this, is this is awesome. Um, Who got so, that game yeah. ball, you or him? Do what? Who got that game ball, you or him? <laughs> oh, I gave it to him. I was like, yeah, you, this is yours, man. Like, uh, you know, you, you can have this one. I think, I don't know if, I'm pretty sure he kept that one. I know he gave, he put another one back in the bag, but I think he kept that one. Um, how how what's he like in the locker room? Can you have uh, a laugh with him? Is he is he all business or is he quite serious? What? How long is it until you cover his car in post-it notes? Basically, is what I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to cover his car in post. I'm with the ball some more, so I might. I might leave his car alone. <laughs> um, but no, he's 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 cool. He's he's uh. You know, you can tell he's very, um, he's about his business. Um, I think going through the year that we're having, it's not, you know, there's not going to be as many laughs as if we're having a, a winning season. Um, but when, when I was there, for sure, you know, um, all the quarterbacks love golfing. Like, I, I don't know what it is about them. They love to just putt. I, I, don't, I, I don't get it. You know, I'm terrible at golf. I need an extension with clubs. I miss the ball a lot. But um, so, you know, like we, two coming in he's there we're making different golf courses around the locker room having a good time having a good laugh um yeah he's someone you can come up to and just hang out with just talk to talk about anything um but you can tell he's definitely you know i i, I remember coming in um during during the uh during the bye week and he was he was always in there you know doing something so he, he's very he's very business oriented i'd say for sure um, CJ, obviously the Bengals are going through a transition period at the moment, like a rebuild. There's a lot of young guys on the roster. Obviously, you've got Joe, T. Higgins, Jesse Bates, Drew Sample, Jonah Williams, some of the more well-known guys. But are there any young guys on the team that have taken your eye a bit that you think for fans might have a lot of potential in years to come? Yeah, I mean, and you guys mentioned this. Again, you guys mentioned Logan Wilson. He is an absolute monster. <laughs> he is He is a... Uh, uh, He's someone that I'm looking forward to, to continue to just grow um, as he's able to, you know, read offenses a little bit more. And, and, you know, he's in the right, you know, right spot at the right time, it seems like, every game. Um, and yeah. so so he – him in particular, I'm, I'm, I've been very just, like, high on. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to – just the defense in general, I think, you know, some of the guys that I'm watching, I'm, if we're being completely honest, I saw someone in on the defense yesterday that I didn't even know was on the team. Like, I, I <laughs> it's number 37, he's a corner, and I was like, wait, what you is going on? Jalen Davis, is it? Yes, yeah, exactly. I was like, wait, what is going, like, what, what is, what's happening? You know, our defense is, is it's, you know, and, and that's one of the things, you know, I see someone like DJ Leader and Vaughn and, and all these new faces to me, they're, they're new faces. They're younger guys to me because I'm like, oh, I don't know. You guys are you're new to the team. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, your growth. And 
I wasn't able to see that with DJ this year because he got injured. But with what I saw, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I have high expectations for him too because because of what he brought um, with with what he did. But for sure, out of this rookie class, I'm, Logan to me is out of. I mean, aside from a T and, and a Joe, Logan is is yeah. just blowing my mind with with what he's able to do. Mm. We'll certainly look out for him after that praise. It's great to hear that. Um, yeah. Another another thing I think which is interesting to touch on. Obviously, you spent some time with Marvin Lewis as the head coach, and now you've had a year and a half of Zach Taylor. Between the two coaches, what's the biggest differences you've noticed in their their leadership style, their management style, the way in which they draw um, draw up plays and draw up offenses? Like, what what's the biggest differences there between the two? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean the aside from the. I think the most obvious and the most glaring is one's a very defensive-minded coach and one's a very offensive-minded coach. Um, and so I think, you know, with, with Marvin, he kind of just let the reins go, not just to, to the offensive coordinator and said, hey, this is, this is your baby. You know, like this is something that um, I'm not going to really dip my hand in too much in. And he was more of a defensive-minded minded guy. And I think, you know, obviously Zach is um, very offense-heavy. Um, you know, and that's not saying that each one doesn't know defense and offense it's just you know that's that's kind of where their mind goes and um but I, I think you know Zach brings this new energy this new school energy uh to the team and that's you know even last year um he pulled a group of, of us together and, and we were you know Gio and I talked after that and we we're like we just want to win I want to win for Zach like I I like him so much as a coach and you know how he tries to take care of us and um how he approaches us and how he talks to us it's it's very like um, he's kind of a player's coach in that regard. And to me, that's like, that's, that's kind of my style of coaching that I appreciate. And I want to, you know, I get behind a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, that whole staff and, and what they bring that young energy, that newer breath of, of not fresh air, but just that, that new life that they bring into the club is something that, um, you know, attracts me. And I think attracts a lot of the other guys as well. Um, because, even talking to other guys in the locker room, we're like, man, yeah, we want to win for ourselves and obviously like our pride, but we want to win to keep Zach as our coach because we like him so much and we like the values and things that he's trying to bring into the to the club. Just following on up, uh, following on from that, CJ, I have to ask you this. It's a serious question, I guess, and um, no, it is. You're smiling. It is a serious <laughs> question. <laughs> obviously, we've had uh, some moves. Uh, very well known uh, employee who wore 96, left the club quite acrimoniously, I think. Um, and then we've got another player who's unhappy. He's been public with his unhappiness about his role on the offence, a certain very quick wide receiver. We wish them all well, you know what I mean? And we understand that things don't always gel with coaches and players. It happens in every locker room and whatnot. But what I wanted to ask you specifically was, you hear a lot of, journalists and then fans get on board with it who say oh my god it's a dysfunctional dressing uh, locker room it's a it's there's a disconnect between coaches and players what would you say to that as someone in that within the in the bubble there yeah I don't think you know it's and, and this is kind of why you know I, I feel like the players want to win for for this coaching staff I think um, coming in my rookie year um, was was a, a really well connected team, right? And I think um, you know we had 
that's when we had, you know, Mo and Marvin and AJ, Andy, with, you know, we had, we had a, we had a, a veteran team. And, and after that year, I feel like there has been, whether it's, you know, the coaches or the players, what, what have you, I think there's been, there has been a disconnect. I think when Zach came in, it was, it started molding back into a team. And I think this year it's molded even into a tighter team. I think even, even though we've been quarantined and we had, we didn't get to have OTAs and, and an off season program, I think, um, you know, I, I think it speaks volumes to the fact that some new guys come in like a Josh Bynes and he's promoted to the captain. You know, I think we have a new guy like Joe, who's like, you, we want him to be our captain because of what they bring to the table. So I think, you know, I think certain individual players will have, you know, everyone has their own specific agenda to an extent, you know, I, I want to be a pro bowl tight end, but I, I think, you know, certain players, um, it gets a little overboard and, you know, then they're not there with us. Um, but in, in, the, in other cases, I think it's like, Hey, I think, you know, I can attribute or, you know, bring to, you know, bring something to the table. And I don't know a hundred percent, you know, my past performances haven't proven that, but I think that I, I might be able to, you know, it's, it's something where I want to, it's just, not, I want to prove myself type of thing. Um, yeah. and I think that's kind of what I'm saying is, is I want to prove myself to this team to myself and then obviously to the league that, you know, I'm a good player. Um, I just have had, you know, lapses of, of, you know, games or there's, there's been a year where I haven't, you know, done well or performed to, to the expectations that I hold for myself or, you know, the team holds for me or whatever. So I don't think there's a disconnect though. You know, I think, you know, when I walk into the locker room and I can only speak for the offensive side more so than the defense, cause I'm not with them, especially with everything that's going on. But, um, I look at my position group and the, and the tight ends and we're super, super close knit. I look at, you know, the quarterbacks, the quarterback, there's not a lot of them, obviously. So they're super close knit. they joke around all the time. I don't know what they're saying half the time because they have their own, <laughs> their own sidebars. Um, I look at the, the, the receiver room and they're all brothers in there. I know they joke around probably they might joke around more than I do. I don't know. That's kind of tough. Tyler Boyd in that room is is a, a complete clown, so they might joke around more, more than I do. Um, but just going position by position, you know, I, I think the running backs, you know, the running backs have a good relationship. Gio's kind of a quieter guy, but they have a really good relationship. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a disconnect with the coaches. I think that's another thing that, you know, Zach brings to this table. We can go up and talk to Zach anytime we want to. You know, he, he's, he, he even comes up to certain players and is like, hey, like, what's up, you know? So I think that, you know, that energy, I don't think there's a disconnect. I think it's just certain players are kind of frustrated with maybe their performance or their role and they want to prove themselves yeah. to the team. Um, it's interesting. Oh, sorry, oh, no, just one more. Uh, just one more question. Um, I want to ask you about the Steelers, right? Obviously, we, it was disappointing last night, really. Uh, the result, and you could say the performance as well. I guess the players are all pretty down about that performance. Um You've been there since 2015. You played in the game that shall not be named on this podcast in that wild card in early 2016. Um, the Steelers are something like 11-0 against us, uh, going back however many years. Um, has the team got a mental 
block on the Steelers? Is there, I mean, as a player, is, does, does that kind of thing exist? We've been hearing it a bit today. Oh, they must have like a mental thing with the Steelers. Is that a load of old nonsense, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think so. Um, I think uh, I think the Steelers this year, they do have a good team, but um, I Every time I play them, I'm like, these guys are beatable. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not superhumans out there. You know, they have some good players that play hard. They have a good scheme, but, um, you know, I, I think they're very beatable. And I think, you know, we'll see that during the year, they're going to get beaten. They're, 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 personally, I don't think they're going to go 20 and 0 or whatever, 19 and 0 throughout the year. I think um, that they, they do have good schemes, but, I think they're just another team, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I think that when I personally looking at a team, I think um, I'm like, dang, you know, someone like the Ravens. I'm like, okay, well, the Ravens are a team that I'm like, that's a tougher team to, to compete with personally than the Steelers. Um, just because of what I think that they have on offense in terms of, you know, they're, like, they're going to put on, they should put up a lot of points. That yeah. puts more pressure on the offense. Um so no, I, I don't think. I, even though it, it looks bad with that with that record, um, I personally I, I don't view the Steelers as some someone who I'm like, dang, we got to play the Steelers again. Like, I know it's gonna be physical. I know I'm gonna have to go against T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree. They're good linebackers, but I'm like, oh, nice. Like, should be should be fun, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get them, we'll get them eventually, won't we? Um, but CJ, like you, t you touched on the tie end room, and with your absence, that is next man up, and that next man up is Drew Sample. Tell us a bit about Drew. He's been involved in the offense a bit. He's had some good plays. What's he like as a player, and what can we expect from him um, for the rest of the season? Yeah, uh, that's a good question of what to expect. Um, because I'm not even 100% sure. Uh, but I do know that uh, Drew is probably the smartest, probably top five smartest players that I've played with in terms of just knowing the defense, knowing football, knowing schemes. Um, you know, I when I came in, I didn't know, I didn't know what an under and over front was, to be honest. I didn't know defenses I didn't know what you know cover 66 I didn't know any of that really to be honest um I had to learn it from scratch and he came in rookie year knew pretty much everything um which was super impressive to me he's unbelievably strong in the weight room I think he's a one of the you know top five block best blocking tight ends in, in the league from what I've seen um and he's just not been involved in the passing game and I think you know some of that has to do with um, the missing pieces that we have on the offensive line and, and trying to make sure that we um, keep Joe, Joe Burrow as our franchise quarterback for years to come and make sure that he's protected pretty well. Um, and I think he's done a, done a pretty good job with that. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think being a second-year player, he's not, he's not a vocal guy out there. I can, I can tell, you know, watching um, – practice and maybe he's just not a vocal guy in general I don't think uh you know I think he's kind of like a, a geo who who doesn't really say a whole lot um and I think that's kind of just gonna be the player that he is but you know I think he's good I think um from what I've seen with what we've asked him to do I think he's done done you know a good job I don't think he's done like a superb job and you know he, he'll say he hasn't done a superb job but I think you know I think he's done a really good job sure 
Um, you've been very calm with your time, CJ. We'll let you go in a second. I just, uh, again, going back, you know, no one likes to be lying around in lockdown with an injury as well. Uh, that must be double tough. How many hours of, like, FIFA have, ra- have you racked up? How many Premier Leagues have you won with Chelsea? And how many Champions Leagues have you won with Chelsea? <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I got an early edition of FIFA um, because I was like, well, this is this is I need to do something, right? Like, I have, there's only so much football I can watch. I need to go over to the proper football on this one for a little bit. Um, oh yeah, no, I've, I've been watching, I've been watching loads of of Chelsea. I've been playing Chelsea with Chelsea every every day. Um, I win the Prem probably every other day with them in FIFA. Um, yeah, I think, uh, my closest friends, my like high school friends, they want to like play Call of Duty with me sometimes. And, um, I like give them like the, yeah, I'll be done in like five, 10 minutes. And then an hour and a half goes by. I'm like, dude, what happened? I was like, oh no, I'm sorry. I was, I got caught up with FIFA. Um, (laughs) so yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been a fair amount of FIFA. I've been, uh, doing a little more rehab than usual. Like I got a dog. Um, so I decided to walk him around a little bit just to get out of the house. Um, yeah. Cause there's only so many times I can go into the stadium without them saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta leave cause of, cause of all the regulations. So, yeah. um, yeah, I've been trying to be, uh, trying to keep my, keep myself busy with that. What is your dog's name, CJ? My dog's name is Oppa. Hopper. Oppa, A-P-P-A. Oh, Okay. Um, <clears throat> and you just kind of t- take him for, is he a little puppy dog or is he a grown guy or? So, yeah, no, he's a, he's a, I wouldn't say he's a little puppy. He's, a, he's, <laughs> he's getting pretty big, pretty fast. He should be, uh, like 130 pounds. Um, so he's going to be like a full size human, which is awesome. Like, I, so, so he's another, like Gio, Gio has this, really Gio, <laughs> Gio, exactly. Gio has this small little dog and I'm like, that's great for you. You're a small little person. Like, awesome. Like, good for you. You're, you're bigger than somebody in your house because your wife is bigger than you. So, so I was like, I can't walk around with a small little, little dog. I have to have yeah. something big. So. <laughs> well, um, do put up some uh, pictures of you and Appa at some stage on your social platforms. We'd love to see them. CJ, we wish you the best. You're great with the fans. The fans love you back. And we, we just wish you a really speedy recovery. Um, we need you on the field, but your personality and your presence and, and all the rest of it is fantastic. So we wish you well, mate. And uh, we can't thank you enough for spending a bit of time with us over here. No, 100%. I appreciate it. Anytime you guys want me to come back, I'll be on. Okay. I'll send you an email next week then, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, CJ, man. I really appreciate it. So good of you. Thank you. Well, there we go. That was the brilliant, lovely, excellent CJ Uzama. And uh, what a fantastic interview, Nathan. I mean, if I think, you know, imagine going out for a night out with him and Gio. I think that'd be a formidable foursome, wouldn't it? Me, you, CJ and Gio out on a night out. I think that'd be, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he's such a top geezer, isn't he? I mean, he one of the best... Re- defenses of Zach I've seen as well you can really tell by what he said that he's you know the, the team are fighting for him and CJ in particular they rate his coaching style he's approachable and I think there was a lot of um, a lot of positives that came out of that interview and some really interesting you know it's it's difficult for us I think even more difficult at the moment with all the the COVID stuff going on 
you know, journalists aren't allowed in the locker room and we just hear whispers and fans being fans, we kind of jump to conclusions and uh, kind of put two and two together when there isn't a two and a two together. Um, so it was really interesting to hear uh, an insider's uh, insight into the locker room feeling and the atmosphere, really. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people have been worried about that. Some players on the team that have been there for a while that potentially aren't getting the playing time they, do, they actually want. And I think he put it really well. He articulated it well and explained, look, that's they're the minority um, here. It's not everyone in this situation. It's not everyone sort of having a pop about the coaching or the schemes or anything. And I think you can tell when players are being honest. I really think you can. I think CJ didn't need to give that strong a rebuttal of, that, you know, it's not working, etc. And I, I think he really got behind Zach and he meant it. And I think there's, there was some real authenticity in that, um, which I thought was really refreshing to know that these guys aren't just saying it because they have to say it and there's a swarm of press around and you've you got no other choice. I think there was a real air of um, him being very genuine there. 100%. And uh, it really was. We met him. Uh, when uh, the team were over in London and it was a joy to speak to him then. He's such an open, friendly guy. And I hope that really came over in that interview because uh, we, we really enjoyed talking to him and can't, can't thank him enough for the time. Um, let's go to our correspondence. You can get us uh, at today underscore UK on Twitter or Bengals UK on Facebook. Uh, let's start with Brian at MapCaseExapno. <laughs> Solid handle. AJ has plateaued at just the guy at this point, so why not position him as such on the depth chart and play uh, the others, Tate, Thomas, Morgan, uh, the rest of the way for evaluation purposes, assuming that Ericsson and Ross are circling the proverbial time as a Bengals drain. Um, I can't work out what we've got with that receiver room. Every week my opinion changes. One minute I'm like, quite an half a stacked unit and it's Higgins, Tyler Boyd, AJ, Alden Tate. You think, oh, Mike Thomas is not bad either. And then all of a sudden Green has a game like last night, no catches uh, on five targets, just no separation, just does like more and more so, just doesn't look like his old self. And all of a sudden, you start being like, "Oh God!" Like he's not okay, is he? I mean, I'd be, I'd be, sh- I'd be so interested and intrigued to see what AJ Green's market is at the end of the season and where he ends up. I think, I think he's going to have to accept a sort of slot role somewhere as like a third guy. And I, you're not going to be paying an old receiver that much to be a slot guy. So, yeah, I mean, you can tell why he was probably holding out for that big deal in the off season with us and didn't want the franchise tag, but. It certainly did seem a bit alarming last night. I think that the other, the you make a really good point about the receiver room. One week it ter- looks terrific, one week not so good. One thing that was happening last night that I really noticed, we weren't making those contested catches. Uh, okay, so Joe Hayden had a terrific game against us, but yeah, you know, against the Titans and other other teams as well, we were going up and getting those fifty-fifty balls, and and we just weren't doing it. And I take the point, the balls were wet and it was windy, etc., but. You know, the Steelers had no problems in uh, catching the ball, uh, especially bloody Chase Claypool. But uh, anyway. He's a big lad, that Chase Claypool. He's a big lad. He is a big lad. Uh, Keith Dewey at Keith underscore Dewey. 
I'm as annoyed as anyone at last night's performance, but we should ease off slightly with all the injuries stroke COVID issues this week and just put it down to a bad week. Next week against Washington is more of a realistic measuring stick. I'm with you, Keith, on that one, mate. I really Yeah, full on. Uh, Connor Luttrell at CJ Luttrell. How many teams in the league would you do better playing their CB8, CB9, OT4, an offensive guard from their practice squad at uh, offensive tackle and a handful of other injuries on top of that against the Steelers? Yeah, again, I mean, I think they were... Mit- I mean, they didn't play well last night, but there were some mitigating circumstances. And as I say, we had very explicit weaknesses last night and goodness me didn't the Steelers take advantage of that um Killian at uh Malloy underscore double zero few questionable calls from the rest but that is not an excuse we were miles off the pace from the first snap I thought when T got his TD we could make a game of it big learning curve for Burrow playing against that defense um Warrior at Warrior Nate 99. Solid handle. We look like a team playing pre-season week one. Zach sounds like he's ran out of excuses now. I think it's time for him to go. Receivers are never open. What schemes are we running to trying to get guys open? I think, Nate, we were. We, I mean, don't forget, a couple of, you know, three weeks before the bye week, we were, we were shredding defences with with this so-called scheme that wasn't working. But you have to, sometimes you just got to give credit to the defence. Yeah, I agree. They weren't great at all last night. And I think they were outcoached because you would want an offensive coordinator to kind of, uh, again, as I mentioned, react to the adjustments the other teams have made against for us. Uh, And we didn't do that last night. We didn't have a plan B, did we? No, not at all. And I think that's that's what we've got to work on is... um making sure we do have that plan B and coming up with those game plans to sort of change things around. I think there's been a few times where we've had some exciting play calls and they've tried to scheme people home. But I do think we'd all crave as Bengals fans some exciting different bits and pieces and not in the fourth quarter um, when you're down 30-odd points and you're running fake mm. punts, you know. So, yeah, that was a weird yeah. play call, wasn't it? You just, I just... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, Rosie at Rosie underscore May 16 was a poor game from us, never really looked in the game and Burrow definitely struggled, but it's a learning experience for him. He's probably never experienced weather like that and he came up against an excellent defence. He'll learn and get better. O-line did look solid though, very well said. Neil Nathvani at Neil Nathvani. Um, Not happy with Taylor's rationale for failing to pull Burrow out of the game, momentum and points. Points in a long-lost game are worthless, and even a TD drive at the end wouldn't have given us much momentum for next week, given the overall performance. Taylor needs to learn how to cut his losses and not risk Burrow's health in lost causes, because otherwise a season-ending injury through negligence, and it will be the Bengals cutting their losses with Taylor and his staff come January. I don't disagree. I think it was... Even... even even if they brought Finley on just to hand off the ball, you know, fine. I mean, Burrow was had a bit of a bit of an ankle thing going on after uh, I think it was Dupre sort of nudged him into the bench um, earlier, which wasn't called, um, by the way. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I thought Burrow should have come out last night, really. But, you know, he's, as I said in the press conference, he's not a quitter. But I think sometimes you've got to say, look, this game's gone. We don't. We want you back yeah. fully firing for next week because that is a game we can win. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's no there's no use in being stubborn in those situations. There's an absolutely 0% chance you can turn that game around. I just There's no reason for him to be out there. We've seen too many times our quarterbacks get hurt, especially against the Steelers. We didn't need that in that towards the end there last night. I think Ryan Finley could have come in, handed the ball off a few times, maybe thrown a few little short passes, screen, something like that. Just get him, build him a bit more experience. I just felt the game was gone last night. Burrow took a, two, a couple of nasty hits in um, that fourth quarter towards the end when, it, like I said, the game was gone. He's taken enough hits this year to Giza. We didn't need him to take any more. Uh, Shawnee at Shawnee01. Zach has to go. And whilst the secondary issues aren't anyone's fault, why are we wasting a roster spot that could have been an extra DB on a kicker? Can't, can't argue against that, really, Sean. Um, Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. After 25 games in charge and after being at the top of the draft, have we closed the gap on our division rivals under Zach? The answer should determine the future of the coaches and Duke Tobin. Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting Duke Tobin coming up in that conversation because we very much, Zach gets a lot of heat and in many cases it's somewhat deserved. But Duke Tobin's an interesting character and it's too early. You know, we're not going to debate it nine games in. It's a good conversation to have at the end of the season. But the Bengals have spent a lot of money in free agency this year. They obviously drafted first overall. They've had pretty high drafting positions the last few drafts. And you do have to take stock of the front office decisions and what, what's being, you know, you're looking at who you're extending, who you're paying money to and weighing up some of those contracts. You look at the AJ Green deal, they know him better than us. They chose to get, give him the franchise tags, not looking like a great investment in money at the moment. The Carlos Dunlap extension, certainly not looking like great value and possibly also on Gino. So there are some questions to be asked there of um, of the front office. And I do think that at the end of the season, it, it's going to be a very, very interesting sort of way up of Duke Tobin and some of those moves. Um, you want to see the whole season play out before you jump to any conclusions. But certainly, I think sometimes Zach does bear the brunt of probably more than he should when it comes to um, the team's performance on the field. Peter Danswell at Dadders, whilst the game last night was awful when considering the state of the team, to what extent we take into consideration that we had to run out our CB7, CB8, def defensive tackle 5 and 6, defensive end 4, running back 3 and 4, many of whom were on the street a few weeks ago and had both starting OTs out. I mean, we sort of discussed that, Pete, but yeah, it has to be brought into consideration, you know. Uh, Dave Cass at Come On Didier. Solid handle. Uh, save for the old bright spot, we were second best in every department. It sounds harsh, but unless we can win at least two of next uh, of our four games, I cannot see Zach being here next season. Uh, Stuart Davis at Dutch Bath. Uh, Solid handle. What's the point of AJ Green anymore? Special teams look like they've been on a 48-hour piss-up. No <laughs> aggression, fight or drive at all. Chances on a plate... Uh, the whole first quarter was zero impact. Allow the worst 9-0 team ever to bully and belittle us. Awful, really. That's an interesting point about the bullying thing. I, is there a mental thing playing the Steelers? You would hope not, but 
you know, they've won, I think, 11 straight now against us. So oh, that hurts, didn't it? That's <laughs> a killer. That is a killer. Uh, Odat at DZE. I was well up for yesterday's game and thought the first quarter was spoiled by the weather. After that, the team were abject and the play calling, such as it was, was bland and forgettable. I thought a bye week would be a plus, but the team seemed very flat and lacking direction. D minus. See some stern talk going on. Uh, tonight Jamie at Trequite Beaster I've said all I need to say in our coaches still the worst head coach in Bengals history still awful defence oh and bin off Redmond and Ericsson to the Arena League uh, I want to talk up a positive though when Jonah is back I want us to find a Denergy a role he has looked really good uh, sorry he has looked the part at tackle uh, Michael Smith at solid underscore handle Solid handle. The Steelers were better everywhere. It wasn't a golfing class. It was light years. I'm not even sure Vince Lombardi himself could have done anything about it. Only two wins for the next three games is acceptable. Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter. What? Just what is our culture? We are a lot of games in now and I'm still not sure how they want to win a game. God, I've become Jonathan Vilmer. Jonathan Vilmer was awful. <laughs> Mate, he was appalling, appalling. At one point, he was just off on a monologue about how the Falcons and like were like trying to play up against his Saints team, and yeah. how he was when he was back at UCLA, where he played college football out of the Rose Bowl, and he's talking. He just, what are you talking about, mate? Like <laughs> you're commentating on the Bengals against the Steelers here. Like he just, you could tell the geezer who was commentating with him was just a bit like, what? Like, yeah, he's one of the worst commentary performances I've ever seen. If I'm honest. Uh, absolutely. Um, he was awful, wasn't he? Um, He's so biased as well. Like, just you could tell he just didn't like the Bengals for whatever reason. I, know. Just, I was very close just to switching on uh, Lap and Dan Horde on the Bengals oh, radio, right. you know. Uh, but I wasn't sure whether they'd sync up with the pictures. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, it was terrible last night. Oh, I don't really terrible. know that other geezer. Is it Kenny Albert or whatever his name is? I'm not. Yeah. He's not my favourite announcer either. It was. It was. Just, I, it, I honestly think last night was one of the least enjoyable games I've watched in ages. It, just, it went on for ages. It went on to like one in the morning, which knocks your sleep out a bit. It just, obviously we lost. It's the Steelers. It's like Heinz Field always looks like the most grim stadium as well on the TV, doesn't it? Like, it just pissed me off last night. Yeah, I know, man. It was just, oh, it was a long, it just, you know when you get games and you get to like the end of the first quarter and you think, or second quarter or half time, and you think, hold on a minute, that game has gone really quickly. And then you look at the clock last night and think you think, oh, it's halfway through the second quarter. And it's like oh, six mate. minutes to go for in the third, first quarter. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Oh, um, mate, I know. Uh, yeah, it was kind of torturous last night in every single way, shape and form. But you know what? Let's just put that behind us because, as I say, we've got some winnable games coming. I mean, you know, the old uh, Brown stuff is going to hit the fan if we don't pull off some wins in the next couple of weeks, and this podcast might be even more fun than it normally is. Um, but however, it's we... a fascinating it is a fascinating period of time these next seven games because it's going to determine the future of this team for the next year or two. Like if we if we don't do well, we don't we not only win a game or less than a game or whatever, and it is the end of Zach. That's obviously a massive moment. 
And I really think Zach's, it's all in front of him. We, we always knew a way at the Steelers would be a luxury win if we got it. It'd be very unlikely. Mm. There's some winnable games here. His job is on the line. He knows it. There's a lot of players' futures here that are on the line as well. Against the football team, we're, I think we're a one-point underdog. The Giants at home would probably be favourites. Dolphins away, maybe a three- or four-point underdog. Cowboys at home, you'd probably be the favourites in that. So very, very winnable games for him to put together a good performance and not just beat some of these teams, but maybe like do them over by 15, 20 points and really show that we've moved along and made progress from where we were at the start of the season. So I am very, very intrigued. We're obviously not going anywhere in terms of the playoffs this year, but I think it's a really interesting next seven games to see where we are and see if it's worth pursuing the direction and the project for what Zach Taylor's putting together. I, yeah, I agree. I'm excited for the next uh, three or four weeks, but uh, obviously that uh, that excitement will 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 disappear quite quickly if we can't win any games, I think. But uh, we shall see. We will be back next week to discuss everything that, uh, that uh, Sunday's game vomits up. And uh, <laughs> and before the game, we will have another online tailgate. And I believe we're going to be joined by some members from the Mexican Bengals fan club. Which there should we be, go. Hey, caramba, it's going to be spicy me the balls. No, that's Italian, isn't it? <laughs> um, um, yeah, so tune into that uh, on Sunday, well, if you want to. Uh, throughout the week, you can get us on... Uh, uh, what are we? Yes, at who? Did you think I should know by now? At who day underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook and YouTube. Um, last words, last words. What are you saying, son, against the football team? I can't not say a win. I've got to say a win. I think I think we've got to win that. I, I you never know anymore with the Bengals, but I and it, I think we're going to beat them. I think we should anyway. Okay. Well, let's 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 hope so. Have a good week, everyone. Stay safe. A big thank you to CJ. Uzama, always a treat to catch up with him. Hope you enjoyed that. And yes, we will be back next week. So until that moment, that time between me and you together, dancing in the moonlight, cheek by cheek, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. Above the streets and houses, rainbow climbing high. Everyone can see it smiling over the sky. Ain't the whole world, ain't the whole world, ain't the whole world with a rainbow. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.